Hello and welcome to the final Dwarfcast before Red Dwarf 10 goes into bloody production. Uh, we're going to be discussing all the key points and speculating wildly about things we have no idea about uh, with the aid of your comments that you've been emailing in, so well done you. I'm Ian Symes, uh, with me is Jonathan Capps. Hello, it's me. John Hort. Hiya. Tanya Jones. Hiya. And via Skype, Daniel Stevenson. Uh, so, we'll be looking at your uh, contributions shortly, but first, let's have a sting. www.ganymede.tv There ain't no place in the whole of cyberspace. So, what do we know? Uh, oh, very little. All. <laughs> uh, they're going into the studio. Yes, next Friday for the live one, but presumably... See, we don't know whether it's the close to the old template of like rehearsals to, until Wednesday and then pre-records on Thursday. You'd but, assume so, because everything else seems to be returning to the old yeah. style and doing you know, the six recording dates, the six episodes. That seems to be the uh, way forward. Did, I, did any of us actually think, by the way, say a year ago, that this would actually happen? Because until everything really kicked off... I was still thinking, especially with regarding Craig's availability on Coronation Street, mm, yeah. the fact they had to get in, I was thinking, something's got to go wrong. Yeah. It always does, every time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is, it's going to be increasingly difficult you know, to get everyone together for this amount of time as well. It's, uh, it's spread across Christmas, but it's still eight or nine weeks when you include that you know, they started... Was it the start of this week or the start of last week? I uh, start last week, I think. Yeah, well, that depends when you're listening to this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, at some point. But, by the way, yeah, <laughs> if you're not listening to this in the week of what's the date? Uh, the before something. the 16th is the first yeah day. if you're listening to this afterwards really you're wasting your time <laughs> and even if you're listening to it before it's not brilliant <laughs> <laughs> to be honest it is a questionable use of your time but <laughs> we'll just power through that so so yeah so um, actual filming we're assuming there's been none of that yet that no, no like really early um, location shoots like they did with Coronation See, Street for it, Back to Earth it is interesting how tightly the production's trying to keep control mm. I think maybe partially because if this is showing like what this time not quite this time next year yeah, what is it supposed to be year. autumn next year yeah. well, they yeah. don't want to release much information now yeah, and I suppose they won't want to release too much during the shooting because you've got a huge gap yeah. Yeah. yeah well it's difficult to keep it quiet especially with Red Dwarf because you know it's, you see Crichton walking down the street, you're going to take pictures of him and put them on the internet. And that's, you know, Back to Earth was, lots of it was on location. Mm. And you'd sort of assume that if there was any location stuff, then they may have started it by now. But it depends. Possibly. The first episode may be entirely on board the ship or entirely yeah. in studio. Or if we've, if, because we've got such a gap between the end of the studio recordings and broadcast, maybe all the location stuff's going to be done afterwards. No, because then you, the audience wouldn't see it. <laughs> Very good point. <laughs> <laughs> Fundamental have, point. I mean, the, I mean, also, once you decided with Back to Earth that you weren't going to do it with an audience, then you would have the opportunity to go out and do a load of locations. Just stuff. whenever was convenient. If you're doing it in front of an audience, you would try and do as much in the studio as yeah. possible. Mm. So that's interesting that, you know, the, there's been not a hint of location stuff if they are going to do it it's surely it's going to be quite tight having doing it sort of the week of the episode recording um 
I mean, how how was what, when was the location stuff normally done traditionally? I seem to recall, and I'm sure um, Andrew Ellard will pop up or someone if we're uh, if we're wrong. I seem to recall they used to do a load of pre-location shooting and then did the studios. But during Red Dwarf Six, they actually did some location recording between studio dates, and that was unusual. Mm-hmm. I seem to recall. Well, so I'm, I'm fairly certain that's what's going to happen because yeah. Otherwise, I mean, shut. Even if, um, I mean, letting us know, oh, well, Bobby would have tweeted, oh, we're doing a bit of top secret location for him today. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah. And it, probably left his GPS <laughs> on his tweet yeah. so people could go find out. <laughs> <that. I> mean, <laughs> there is that, but also, considering the, 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 the obvious cost of however many standing sets they've got, maybe location is going to be really, really minimal. It depends what they're going for, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, we, th- that, this is the interesting thing. That um, I mean, they're going, they're they're shooting in front of an audience uh, next next Friday, and we don't really have that much idea what to expect. We yeah. got some specific things um, in the um, in a dimension jump in the yeah. coffee and biscuits. And yeah, and God knows business. what state they're in but, now. But yeah. you know, that's the thing. We don't know whether any of that's even going to happen because yeah. that, there was a hell of a time between that. And, and now, yeah. and things on Red Dwarf can change in like two days. We don't know. I mean, we assume that Doug's got the script sorted out for the first two episodes, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> the ones that are shooting in six and thirteen days' time. But he might not have written the end yet because it's Red Dwarf, yeah. and uh, Out of Time was written while they were shooting. Yeah. Uh, so Doug said on on Twitter that I mean, you know, it, it's not usually worth much, but he mentioned that. It, he was talking about the sets and he mentioned that it reminded him of five or it felt like five and series five was the, the, they went a lot of places that wasn't Red Dwarf yeah. but when it came to actual outside locations there wasn't that many like things like Back to Reality you know, yeah the, Back to Reality had a little bit and yeah, Terraform Terraform but. had a little bit um, Terraform had some quite extensive yeah, that's true. So that was what, what one episode, and, and all the others. They were all, well, vast majority was set, set driven. So maybe you know that's that's what he means is that they've got they've got these kind of dynamic sets that they'll be able to yeah. turn into all sorts of different things. See, the one thing that makes me slightly ponder here, and maybe I'm reading too much into it, is series five generally considered the best looking series of Red Dwarf. Well, I, I would say I would say it was. The thing I'd kind of bring up here is if you're trying to pimp your series, would you not just pick the best looking series of Red Dwarf and say, oh, it looks like that? <laughs> True. But then, yeah. but then um, Five was also directed probably more than anyone else because it was obviously all fucked up, but Doug had a bigger hand in it than most. And so yeah. if he's now doing a yeah. six episode studio based series, then it would look like Five more than Yeah, and this is, and, and Five was the last time he directed. I mean, it, with reshoots and and whatever else you know, what, you know all the going over the lines of what um, uh, Julie Ed. Goodyear did. Me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> then then yeah, this what is, image. <laughs> so we, we could end up you know if it's anything like series five, I'll be happy, and if there if it's heavily set based, I'll also be happy. I think because um, um, we'll get to see shitloads of it, yeah, live in front of us. Yeah, well, yeah. There's that, and also you know the, they've got the whole the whole ship to explore, and they, it, you know, it basically it'll feed some good imaginative ideas if 
you know, for budget reasons, he is actually restricted to using these sets as much as possible. I would be very interested, to, and we'll never, well, we won't find out for years, I wouldn't have thought, but I'd be very interested to know the um, budget of this in mm. real terms compared to previous series. Mm. Yeah. Or even compared to Back to Earth, because it's always a problem in the TV industry these days if that Back to Earth looks more, far more expensive than it actually was because mm. a lot of people worked on it for free and put a lot of time and effort into it. And so a commissioner will then say, well, you did that for this price, why can't you do more for this price? <laughs> well, you see, this is the thing. The other thing that I... Uh, there was the, will this series ever happen at all? And then there was all the murmurs of, oh, it's going to happen in front of an audience. And up until, really, it was announced, I was thinking, bearing in mind that Back to Earth was going to have an audience and then didn't for mm. various reasons, if you can get more bang for your buck and not doing it in front of an audience, I was fairly surprised it ended up being shot in front of an audience. I thought they would intend to, and then they'd suddenly realise, no, we can do this and we can do that and we can do the other, and they just do it without one. Yeah. And also, bear in mind that... Dave had the best audience figures they've ever had with a show with no audience. Yeah. So Dave aren't going to be trying to say, hang on, you need an audience on this. They're yeah, going to yeah. say, give us more of the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, and if Doug wants to do it in front of an audience and has been allowed to do it in front of an audience, then that's a good indication that you know Dave are a good broadcaster. Yeah. Or they're they're, they're, they're deferring to, uh, to Doug. creative mm-hmm. juices. Well, you know, you get the impression that there's there's a group of people at Dave that are big Red Dwarf fans, and p- presumably they're not just thinking of let's have something that again that was like Back to Earth. They're thinking we just want you know, Red Dwarf in, in whatever shape. You it's. know what? I'm not sure that's true. I think there's a group of people at Dave who are saying, "No, I want audience figures," and they know Red Dwarf. I but what but what started? Well, yeah, I mean, but Back to Earth was a big risk. I mean. The commissioning of Back to Earth, there must have been someone with some faith, some, kind of odd, some faith know. that just didn't, you know, that it, maybe wouldn't have happened. Like if it was a brand new scripted drama, and someone went to Dave and said, "We want you to commission this," and it was, you know, it had no history. And we well, see this is the thing; it, it's this odd thing of is it a brave decision, or is it capitalising on someone else's success? <laughs> and true. you know what? It's kind of both, and it's kind of but neither. If the BBC didn't want to who uh, didn't think that Red Dwarf had the same audience as it used to or weren't interested in the bloody audience they used to attract or whatever it was the BBC obviously didn't think that uh, Red Dwarf was a good money spinner and guaranteed yeah. figures so I've got to Dave to take that punt there must have been someone with a lot of faith in the show but there, d- there does come the thing of, of um, remember uh, the thing it came up with uh, Red Dwarf not commissioning Red Dwarf is if it fails, it's on that person's head. Yeah. And if it succeeds, it's not their success. That's it's true. someone else's. Yeah. And I guess with Dave, there was a different philosophy, especially when it, this was the first. They were they were obviously looking to greatly expand in their in their programming and actually start making things. And it was kind of like it was maybe even written off as if this is a failure, it doesn't really matter. This is something that you know we wanted to try. It's not going to be anyone's fault. This is just we're breaking new ground. They clearly wanted to enter um, original programming. Yeah. My my feeling is if you're going to enter original programming, recommissioning Red Dwarf is about as safe a bet as you've got. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Um, especially as you've then also got um, overseas sales and you've got help from, um, you know, I think BBC Worldwide, who will ship out of Dave, of course, but, you know, you've got the whole ready-made aftermarket 
oh, a true. red dwarf already sitting yeah, there. Yeah, UK TV still owned a lot by yeah, worldwide, isn't it? It, yeah. it starts, yeah, it starts all getting so, a bit messy and confusing. So I, yeah, so going back to the the budget, I think we can assume that the budget's at least healthy. I mean, th- that's got, got to be, be more, the case. It's got because, to be more than back to earth because I don't think you get a team doing it for the second time. No, if oh, yeah, yeah. Money, well, of course, everyone has to be paid for yeah. start and, um, well, uh, having a studio audience is, yeah, that it is the most expensive That automatically proves it's this yeah. really weird thing of um, when you were shooting a comedy series in the 60s and 70s, uh, and USA at the BBC, then everything's already there and put yeah. in place to do that. Everyone's on staff. As soon yeah. as you want a studio audience now, you've got to fucking pay yeah. Yeah. for everything. So, yeah, the fact they've even got an audience shows there's a relatively And it's budget. on a bigger um, a bigger stage than it used to be, isn't it? Isn't it the biggest one in Shepparton now? It Apart used... from the, it's not the Bond stage. Not the Bond stage. <laughs> <laughs> um, Although having a studio audience in the Bond stage would be amazing. I think we're... It's now on H and it used to be on G, or yeah. the other way around. Or the other way around. Or there's some of the letters in <laughs> but there. Either way, it's not because, like, on the previous stage they were on, they fitted the audience. <clears throat> sorry, can I just check? Is, is the bottom stage at Pinewood, actually? Yeah. All right, sorry. You I do apologise. fucking cunt. I thought it's a funny joke, leave me alone. Anyway, carry on. Uh, yeah, the previous stage they were on was enough to do a few sets and an audience, so they must. For, to necessitate a bigger stage, there must be more standing sets than there used to be. Mm. And we know, mm. I can't remember how, but we know that Starbucks... Uh, Doug mentioned, Doug mentioned Starbucks, Starbucks yeah. there. We're, uh, later on, we've got a talk about Starbucks and Blue Midget and stuff. Well, well, let's let's go into some... Should we re- dive some, right in? Let's see what you reckon. <laughs> <laughs> Who was it that said about that? Um, I don't know. Oh, we're already going out of order. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, Steve, fucking well, out. This, what, let's, well, this is this is flowing beautifully, I think you'll find. Stephen R. Fletcher. One thing that springs to mind since hearing that Series 10 will take place in Red Dwarf and Starbug is whether Blue Midget will be used and what version they'd use, the bread van or the legs. <laughs> I'm curious to hear your opinions on both versions of the ship and which one you prefer. Uh, I Someone's think... Someone's not been paying attention. Who's that? He... He has Stephen R. Fletcher. Yeah. Yeah. What are you writing in? You know, trying to be part of our dwarf. That's fuck you! Um, haven't we already gone at a length how much we fucking hate the legs? Uh, I well, think I it don't. looks fine. I think it looks fine as long as it's not walking around. The actual design of it is alright. Yeah. I think the design's great. I just think the problem is that because you can't do... The CGI can't do it justice. Mm. Um, and to be fair, the, you couldn't get the model units probably do that design yeah. justice either with and the budget they turn Well, out. Stephen R. Fletcher also says, uh, have you heard whether they'll be using models or CGI or perhaps a uh, mixture of the two, which links in beautifully to what <laughs> uh, Chris Carter says. Chris Carter says uh, he wants model shots. It's a pipe dream, and he knows the days of affordable model shots are long gone, especially on what is undoubtedly a tight budget. I just hope the inevitable CGI of is of back to earth quality or higher. So what do we what do we think? Well, it's a big fucking question because we've got no real clues. Um, we, we've heard nothing about model shots. We've heard nothing about uh, CG houses being hired or anything like that. Danny did a bit of digging on Twitter, didn't you, Danny? Yeah, I basically I uh, tweeted uh, Mike Seymour to ask him if he was involved, and he said he's not involved in in whole, but he said he'd be helping out a bit. A bit. See. A bit. 
I wonder whether they'll even leave the model questions until after the studio recordings because they've got an awfully long time yeah, between. It's a good point. Like, and yeah. um, you see sometimes on the um, uh, on the on the stu- you know the various bits of rushes we've seen. Sometimes the audience did see the model shots. Mm. Sometimes they didn't see them. Sometimes they saw tent model shots. Do you remember? Um, I think there's um, a really hilariously bad temporary shot for Legion with the final scene yeah. in uh. the deleted scenes. So. They don't necessarily need to figure that no. out now. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm sure I remember hearing that, you know, just on the monitors it said a picture of Red Dwarf in space when yeah, they were yeah, doing yeah. Uh, yeah. Series 8. So, it's yeah, it's probably something that obviously he's, he's thought about it, but, you know, subject to confirmation. I would assume, like, going back to Stephen Fletcher's uh, comment about... Stephen R. Fletcher. Stephen R. Fletcher. <laughs> um, he, whether about whether Blue Midget's going to be used I think it is highly unlikely that they're going to bother using Blue Midget because to use Blue Midget you need another cockpit set the thing is Blue Midget was only used um, uh, post-Starbug in Series 3 and they actually had a specific storyline yeah they needed two ships that's the only time that's it and in Series 8 Blue Midget was oh, the yeah. main was the main shuttle main you know Actually sorry I forgot about eight I, but I blanked yeah, that out interestingly <laughs> the Starbug cockpit set for eight was only ever used right at the start. Um and they built the yeah, yeah. so Blue was Midget that built especially well. for that or did they actually film that crash as part of well actually no that yeah, that's not the case. But but what's more ridiculous is thinking that they used a Starbucks set for one scene. Yeah, and it was just the cockpit as well. Yeah, it was, the yeah. door closed. Yeah. It was, yeah. Uh, leading to the Not bad for the actually, same budget as Dinner Ladies. That's a very ladies. good point. Why <laughs> did they choose to use Blue Midget for Series 8? Is I it because they really liked that movie? I think, yeah, they built the CGI uh, version with the legs for Remastered. And thought, oh, let's spunk all our money on having it done. Yeah. So presumably they they yeah they just moved about the Starbucks set a bit, changed the camera angle. I think the thing that comes up with Back to Earth is a lot of the effects in Back to Earth were very very good. Um, the ship shots they got away with it. The ship yeah. shots. And I the like reason them. why they got away with it is because they had a very limited budget, and that story was not about lovely beautiful mm. flybys of the ship. But there are better things to spend mm. the money on. Um, for a six-part series, you have to do better, and I think they will know they will have to do better. It's a question scale is, as well. How are they going to do it? Well, that's because presumably Mike, if if Mike Seymour, sorry, is only doing bits and bobs, are we to assume that he's maybe handling the grading and maybe a bit of yeah. matte painting stuff like that, like stuff that his students will be able to do relatively quickly? The mod, I think it's safe to assume that all the model stuff is still still up in the uh, the actual ship stuff all the flybys and action scenes in space and everything is is still up in the air and probably won't be done by well, with it with it being shot in front of an audience there's less scope to use the sort of um things that Mike Seymour was doing on the last one which was like the virtual sets and the yeah. extensions of tiny bits of physical sets and all the rest of it uh, because you know it's in front of an audience and you need those to be physically there so without that being a drain on the um the mm. CGI element, uh, maybe they can do better uh, ship yeah. shots. I would be fascinated to see whether they are going to do any green screen in front of the audience because mm. that would be really interesting. Yeah. Be inter- and they that- did a tiny bit of that in the last episode of IT Crowd, it has been done. And, and I think the audiences today are savvy enough to not be put off by it. Mm. And also, you could maybe uh, do a, a rough version on the monitors, you know. Uh, live, you know, through the vision mixing desk. 
I think it has to be said though that it's been 13 years since they did Red Dwarf 8 so essentially Jesus. you know the step change in terms of how much they can do with computers now in terms of CGI is vastly better they've got computers <laughs> well I mean Mike, Mike Tuck has also said on a number of occasions that uh, mainly DJ I think various conversations that if it's done right model shots don't cost that much more than CG even these days when CG is mm. so much more accessible and Mike Tucker and the model unit have a red dwarf. They have a physical red dwarf already. Surely that's got to count for something. They haven't, though. They've got the remasters. Yeah, exactly. And he's, and he, All right, he, maybe he, he said it. He said it. Yeah, well, that's it. He said it, DJ, that he's um, that he's you know offered to to chop it in half, make it a bit more squat. Because <laughs> the actual design and the detail on that ship is brilliant. Yeah. They just need to... The, the fact that they it's were made to make it... Yeah. Uh, like a It's pencil. that, but it's also... Um, the one thing that bugs me about that ship, however, it, forgetting about the, the, the length of it, is the boosters. Yeah. It's... You've got that... You can see this most often on the, um, on the beautiful um, flyby of the ship in the early series at the end, where it goes to that lovely downward swooping motion. And then on the re- the actual ship, it's just these bloody boosters, and it's like there's no yeah. shape to the bloody thing. It's but just... they, could, they could tack bits on and, you, you know... Around, yeah. yeah. Um, Basically, but... I think what we, we all really want Tucker and Co. to yeah, see the models, yeah. but we're trying not to appear as though we're just sitting here making unrealistic demands. <laughs> but it would be brilliant, wouldn't it? It would. Um, it would. Yeah, the, the thing, I'm not opposed to well-done CGI either. It's just, no, no, no. The thing is with the model unit is you're getting the people as well as the, um, you know, as well as the physical models. You know that those that group of people knows Red Dwarf back to front, love Red Dwarf, and will always do a brilliant job. Yeah, that's yeah. very, very true. It's, it's not true. models versus CGI so much as... It's not Mike even, Tucker's model unit is what we want. It's yeah, not even models for CGI as well in terms of that. I have no objection with CGI shots and Red Dwarf. You know, it's not that. It's just yeah. purely when we're talking about especially things like ship flybys and certain things that we think models are still even now perhaps more suited to in yeah. the Red Dwarf universe. It's not a kind of blanket if you put CGI in this then I'm going home. Oh, no, no, no. You yeah. know, although having said that, no CGI scutters, please. Oh, yeah, no CGI scutters. Yeah, yeah. If there's no CGI scutters, then there will be no scutters. Because that's what I'm really <laughs> hoping for. Because seeing as the whole point of the scutters isn't yeah. there, I think yeah. you know. I think it might be a safe assumption that when it comes to like big, expensive physical props like that, and maybe even this is something else we haven't really talked about is on-set physical effects. Mm. Um, you know, I, I wonder, wonder how much. You know, how are they going to? Go completely video effects or CG, you know, you know, like sparks and you know, little explosions or you know, whatever. Just various it's all, cockpit it's all action. The, the, honestly, the best, um, the best version of those kind of effects I've seen are in series six, where it's combined. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it's yeah. it's on set physical then, effects then enhanced. Augmented. Yeah, on set physical video. effects that almost killed Danny Trunchulls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's, it's all about what's, to pay. It's all about. <laughs> But it's kind of interesting because I've got I'm I'm writing um, an ask at the moment which I'm going to completely spoil. Uh, It's alright, I never get finished. (laughs) True. (laughs) (laughs) I've got the screen grabs. I haven't actually written anything else. Where um, I'm talking about this episode of um, uh, this episode of of, um, uh, It Ain't Half Hot Mum, where they portray using a series of blue screen, some outside location footage, and a brilliant set real set of. um, a, uh, of, of a train station in India they portray a train journey across India in <laughs> yeah. the war and in front of an audience 
And it's really, really well done. Yeah. And this is what I mean by the one thing... We'll come into some of this later, but the one thing that this, this new series of um, Red Dwarf could really do is say, look, this is what you can do in front of an audience. This is what audience at Compton do. You don't just need to be sitting in a living room. Yeah, with a French window. And, with, yeah, and Red Dwarf, Red Dwarf has all... I mean, yeah, you can argue it, that Red Dwarf it, has always done that when it's been filmed in front of it. It's always been pushing... Pushing the yeah, boundaries yeah. of what audience at Compton do. And pushing and, the boundaries of what the studio can do. <laughs> so that's what I'm really intrigued by. What What... What can they make in front of an audience to just show people that audience sitcom does not have to be enclosed and small thinking? Well, uh, our good friend John's mad. Oh, John's mad. John's oh, mad. John's mad. A solid 10 out of 10 commenter. <laughs> <laughs> like Stephen R. Fletcher. <laughs> oh, sending us in emails. Presuming. I uh, hate every single person <laughs> who's bothered to send this in. John's mad has said that he's uh, slightly apprehensive about the return to an audience setting. Uh, he agrees with its ability to enhance comedic performance, and it's going to be great to actually be there in person this time round. But he has huge doubts about the comedy being up to scratch, in that he didn't enjoy the ship-based or faux-ship-based scenes from Back to Earth involving ironing sneezes, bum hair dryer, etc. <laughs> uh, his hope is for strong episode concepts and situations around which both emotional character points, comedy and adventure spring forth. Can I so, say, I really like the phrase here, weaker enjoyment points. <laughs> um, I... I I like his wish for Peter Sofanowitz to be cast in it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, that all will never happen. Computer, set a course for space. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, going back to the his first point, <laughs> which was, um, yeah, I sort of agree that the bits on the ship on Back to Earth were the weaker bits. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. Having... And there was a real problem that the series st- started with that yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. That, that was... And there was also a problem with the bunk room scenes in Series 8. Uh, in that, you know, in that they weren't very. Funny. Yeah, they they were in a bunk room, and that almost seemed like <laughs> they thought that was enough. Yeah, there's, it's a point that I've made several thousand times yeah. <laughs> over the last few years. Of people liked the old bunk room scenes in series one and two, and wanted to hark back to those. But the thing that made them funny wasn't the fact that they were in a bunk room; it was the dialogue. Yeah, and this, the cockpit scenes are the equal of them. Yeah, in. The wobbly sets, lol. Oh, uh, yeah, and the shonky models. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, it is, it's um, It's a little bit worrying that as we're going to be you know, more studio-based, we assume, and more things taking place just on the ship, the last bit of on-the-ship life <laughs> that we've seen was a bit crap. Mm. But there's no reason whatsoever that you know you can't set a story on Red Dwarf and still have... Because Red Dwarf is huge as well, and there's no limit to the amount of yeah. plots that in you know yeah. good things that you can come up with. The bits that I didn't like about Back to Earth were just the sitting around waiting for the plot to happen bits. Well, that's yeah. it. That, that, and, is, and the off the, the on Earth stuff is what Doug would have been concentrating on. And you know, yeah. it's the really weird thing because the bits where you're sitting around waiting for the plot to happen are the bits Red Dwarf used to be so good at. Yeah, yeah. and that's the disappointing thing. Um, yeah, it's it's difficult to pinpoint exactly because uh, I, I don't know. I did I, I really liked the feel of the on ship stuff at the start of uh, episode one. I thought you know it, it felt right, and I actually I I didn't mind it as much as some people seem to. But like I you can't the um, yeah just the qual- the quality of the jokes wasn't quite there. But I think the performances from what I can 
you know, what I can gather, the performances were definitely better um, in the, in those settings than they were in in eight. Like the Rimmer and Lister uh, dynamic was much better than it was in mm. eight in in similar uh, uh, I settings. Think part of the reason that I don't like it is because it felt a little bit flat. I mean, obviously, you know, there's no problem with Red Dwarf feeling like a big isolated thing, and it was all intentional to show how Lister is isolated and on his own, yeah, uh, more so than for a long time at this point. But yeah, it was a little bit flat and um, you know echoey, and you know it didn't feel like like proper Red Dwarf dialogue. And I think having a laugh track on it will help that. Yeah, no, that I think it'll help performances and it'll help. Like, obviously, when you're writing something, presumably, you know the fact that these jokes are going to be performed in front of an audience kind of influences it the does writing raise as well. people's game yeah. you, you read about Comedy Rod saying the fact that we knew an audience was coming in in a few days to actually listen to this and the agony it would have been if no one yeah. left well that segues very nicely into <laughs> oh. uh, Ben from Jersey who says was it a good idea getting dwarf fans to watch the recordings <laughs> as we saw in series 8 dwarf fans will be so excited to be there they'll laugh even at the shit gags which will give, which will give Doug a false sense of security therefore he won't cut the shit and I like the fact that he's, uh, he's put an asterisk in shit because obviously we at G&T <laughs> <laughs> We frown on swearing. <laughs> so, is is that a valid point that because the audience are going to be? I mean, it's a natural thing to go to any live comedy. You'll laugh yeah. more than you would if um, you were watching it on yeah. telly. I don't know. It depends on how many retakes there are, <laughs> because any audience um, is going to get fed up when you do it the fifth time. Um, I I'm not sure. It's it's harder to get a good atmosphere on a recording than you might think it's important that you don't compare it to American recordings where they do it a different way anyway mm. mm-hmm. and it's a different atmosphere um, you get pizza in American you get, yeah, yeah, you know but basically American audiences <laughs> laugh like hell because they're better treated yeah. when, <laughs> when you're in an audience recording in the UK you get herded about like you're a bit of an inconvenience <laughs> frankly so you know, you've got mutual resentment at the start, <laughs> which the warm-up guy or girl is there to try... Well, it's normally a guy, let's face it. Um, <laughs> normally there to dispel the best they can. Um, so, yeah, you might get a little bit of... Mm. Che- you might get a little bit cheering, you might get a bit of applause. I don't think people are going to go mental. Um, I think you're going to get the same effect as you did on later... A series of Red Dwarf where people where you knew fans were in but it didn't really make a huge amount of difference. Well I think the only the only thing that sets this apart is because it's been as Danny said 12, 13 years since the last studio recordings and for the vast majority of people going it's their first and video. this is always what worries me when um, people were asking I mean Doug and, and GMP were asking should we have an audience and it's like yeah, but people are going to answer that because they want to be in a recording. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it would be nice if fans wanted Red Dwarf to have an audience because, you know, that's what suits the show. Just because they want to see Robert Llewellyn in person <laughs> is not a legitimate reason. I, think, I, I always think with the audience question, it's whatever Doug wants to do. I yeah. think Back to Earth, Doug clearly wanted to do that type of story and that type of story, other than the bits set on the ship as we just discussed work better without an audience and if Doug wants to now write something which would suit an audience which is you know more in the traditional series one to six sense than fucking fine yeah. by me um, it, is, it is this odd, odd thing of, of I, as a fan I don't want 
particularly feedback to have my feedback to mm. you know uh, affect the production <laughs> because if, if well if I was good at making telly I'd go and make it yeah. and I'm not you know so like I want them to go and make something and then to come back and say hey look at this and I'll decide whether I like yeah. it um, I do not Rich, think my opinion counts for anything which segues nicely into telly performing monkey to fuck off <laughs> my only comment on his comment <laughs> well I'm, I'm sure we'll I think we've no, highlighted good. a bit of it. The last well, thing I, I want to say about Ben's point is that um, I don't think we need to worry about the um, the audience reaction giving Doug a false sense of what's funny and what's not because he's a professional yeah. comedy writer. He's, you know, I wonder if comedy Ben's writers in general are so insecure about their own material that uh, you know if he's in doubt as to whether a joke is strong or not, I don't think having a whooping audience would make much difference to him. I trust yes. Doug to make the right decisions. I think it. it the, the main problem Ben might be having is something I did have with A is that if you're watching something and you're thinking I'm really not enjoying this and I don't like any of the jokes and you hear the audience reacting very strongly clapping whooping mm. cheering it, it you, you resent the whole thing much much more and I think that's what this stems to it doesn't it, it, honestly I don't think it has any effect on what See, the, Doug would write the so really you're... weird thing is that's oddly partly what I felt <laughs> during <laughs> back to over the house full of people and that's why I've kind of because I remember when we were going I mean the, those bloody door crafts they're painful to fucking listen to that's why I've <laughs> kind of just kind of I mean the way I'd sum up how I'm feeling about the new series is intrigued I'm really okay. intrigued but I'm trying not to you know <laughs> yeah get too emotional involved because I'm kind of at the point now where if other people are liking What's produced? I'm kind of happy for them. Sure, and as long as there's golf on, and they can, well, quite, <laughs> and they can go off and do that, and that's yeah. fine. And if I like it, fantastic. And if I don't, well, maybe it's, it's, yeah, it's weird. It's kind of kind of like, a new and that's almost how I feel about eight as well. That when you're listening to people who are really enjoying it, I kind of think, well, brilliant. Yeah, you're enjoying it. I Great. Think, I know. think like the, the sort of the the attitude of all of us has kind of changed a lot. I know, but if say if this series. God forbid, was a similar quality to eight, and I and like, mm-hmm. let's say all of us really hated it. I don't think we'd react the way we did on our own individual fan sites uh, about series eight. You know what, eight years ago or something like that. With, with virtual, we'd, I think we'd be a lot more measured, and I think you know, um, I yeah, think that's it good. Would be reasonable, about yeah, it and, yeah. You know. I mean, because I, I, you know, during Whitehall, I was never ever reasonable <laughs> and that, that just wouldn't happen anymore because because you know we, yeah, we're, we're so much more invested in this you know, you know, it's, there's so many other there's different you know um, aspects to look at and you know I didn't I didn't like everything about Back to Earth but you know there's, there was nothing you know I didn't obsess over anything and see there's this kind of old thing that comes when you're part of um, fandom especially which is um, it becomes about more things than the show yeah. and honestly if I had not kind of met up with you guys and if I wasn't part of Red Dwarf fandom I wouldn't be even thinking about Red Dwarf at this point because hey I've not liked the last 19 episodes <laughs> <laughs> so like I wouldn't be here I'd be sitting off doing something like that. and there's always this really weird thing that comes yeah, up like, where, people, case. <laughs> where, where people say well you know uh, why are you still a fan of something and it's like well I take your point, stop. but it's because it's about more than the show. It's yeah. about yeah. the people yeah. involved in the fandom. And so I, this is this really weird situation I'm in now, where I'm sitting here and I'm going to a fucking recording, um, which must really piss off some people <laughs> who are desperate to come on. But because it's about more than just the show, but I am going into it thinking, 
I have no clue whether yeah. I'm going to enjoy this or not. I, I don't know. No, I, yeah. And that's uh, quite aside from the question of the audience, because I wasn't that keen on 8 either. 8 still my favourite out of 7, 8, and that's worth, I'm sorry. But that doesn't mean to say that I particularly think it's brilliant. Or no. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, so yeah, it's this weird thing when you're kind of part of fandom, it becomes more than the show itself. And when, it's when you start to actually... Um, have opinions about the people that are making you know you, you meet them at conventions and and you know interview Doug Naylor things like that you know you start to when you start to think I like all these people that are making Red Dwarf apart from Danny <laughs> yeah. and so when when it when it doesn't quite hit the mark you know you, yeah I, I don't think I don't think I would ever have no, nothing no amount of terrible Red Dwarf I know this is really horrible actually <laughs> um, begun but no amount of terrible Red Dwarf would shake my fandom at this point I don't well, think performing monkey uh, here we go we ignore half of it as we tend to do <laughs> but, uh, it's quite funny I, I, I quite like this comment <laughs> In layman's terms, could new dwarf damage old dwarf or tarnish his reputations as one of the greatest television shows ever produced? No. Are we flogging a dead horse? Are the cast past it? Is Doug past it? Are we as the viewers past it? Ah. ah. <laughs> well, no, because <laughs> series seven and eight were shite, and it doesn't stop series one to six being brilliant. If anything, it never does. if anything, it emphasises how good <laughs> the good stuff is. I've and never ever understood this, and this is not just with Red Dwarf. No, this is with any everything. show. Oh, in fact, people covering songs as well yeah yeah. it doesn't ruin the original it doesn't delete the first version yeah you might not enjoy the cover and you know you're perfectly within your rights (laughs) but yeah Uh, yeah you know to use examples from other sitcoms uh, Only Fools and Horses the last three revival Mm. episodes of that were utterly abysmal but I choose to ignore them and still enjoy you know, the, the original run is one of the best sitcoms ever made. Even on like a smaller scale where something doesn't become shit, I'm making my way through Heidi High at the moment. <laughs> and um, Simon Cadell episode, maybe his last series wasn't quite as good, but the um, first, is it five series, mm. four five series, is honestly some of the best sitcom I've seen. It's so good. And his central performance is brilliant. Then he leaves, got a new character in, and it settles down into... Far from it's a very very good sitcom, but it is not the best. You know, it's it's, yeah. not, it's it's not a brilliant like it was be, before. Yeah. That doesn't stop the first four or five series being brilliant either. No, it doesn't make you kind of. I never ever understood why people judge the last episode ever made and just take that and look yeah. back on the whole thing. Yeah. I've never gone. And also, yeah, when when a certain element of a sitcom's removed, you suddenly realise how important it was. And again, you know, if anything, it, it would emphasise how yeah. good things are. So that's bullshit. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, the same with films as well. You know, the fact that Omen 4 was shit doesn't make <laughs> the other... Doesn't stop Omen 1 to 3 being amazing. Or, you know... Um, or Well, actually, I haven't seen the remake of The Omen, but anyway, getting off the, getting off the point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, right... <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I think Chris Car- Chris Carter sent in a, a massive one. He, he's we've got like I quite a like few Chris comments. Carter's massive one. Good, yeah. Uh, so shall we? He talks about the um, the plot and characters, and specifically returning characters. And I think this feeds into Sandable Object and Ridley say, yeah. as well. So he says, single, self-contained, half-hour episodes. That's a title. <laughs> I I hope to see no refs to previous episodes or stories. No rep- no returning characters like Dwayne or Ace or Hollister. I just want brand new tales, good sci-fi co- comedy with the core cast. 
which is something I agree with. I, I do, although kind of, I think the Hollister stuff in Series 8 is some of the best stuff in Series Good. 8. Well, that's jamming with fame <laughs> <laughs> uh, And can I also say that I don't think any Red Dwarf episode is entirely self-contained, given that the main story arc for at least oh, the first few series is Lister getting yeah. back to Earth. I think I think the specifics here are like uh, uh, the, uh, the big sort of you know but characters. Part one, etc., etc. I okay. swear, if if Dwayne or Ace shows up in one of the studio the studio ones, I mean, I'm getting up and leaving. Just going to stand up. Boo. <laughs> boo. I boo loudly. If I, what I do is I'd go and punch Danny John Jules and or Chris Barry in the face. And, and then, then you go and punch Andrella. <laughs> well, on the on the subject of series arcs, Sound of Object says um, series six is my favourite series, and I do hope for a similar sort of loose arc that doesn't affect the plot necessarily, but makes the series work better as a whole. Mm-hmm. Obvious arc would be the search for Kachansky or um, something that was mentioned at DJ of hardware and software upgrades for Red Dwarf, and I think that yeah, that's uh, I think clearly at the end of Back to Earth, it's set up. To you know, where's Kachansky? Kachansky's gone missing, and you know the search for Kachansky will replace the search for Red Dwarf. Yeah. But what um, what Chris and I think we can sort of all loosely agree with what Chris was saying was he doesn't want big sprawling, you know, back to back in the red style messes of. That's you know, true. It's really weird how, and I don't know, maybe it's just because the show didn't used to do it that much, and then it did, but. I usually enjoy back references and sitcoms, mm. but I, in Red Dwarf it never feels right. Yeah, mm. because there was very few, and they were all cleverly done up until you know. Back references six. were usually references to things we hadn't seen as well. Yeah, <laughs> um, but what, what I think what this ties into some is a point that Ridley's made uh, that I don't actually agree with, but is definitely one of the biggest talking points. Which you is need to Rimmer. read this in a sarcastic voice, then. It's sarcastic voice. Uh, no, no, no. <laughs> I think we've been rude enough. <laughs> okay, so, so, we, we all appreciate <coughs> you coming to visit our little site, and we are yeah, doing it in a very loving way. Okay. So he, he has strong opinions on uh, Rimmer and what version of Rimmer is what. And uh, <laughs> so yeah, so I, I'm dreading the return of old. Oh, I'm dreading the old Rimmer will return. I love the ending to Stoke Me a Clipper, and I'm uh, still not over future I'm undercutting the best endings. Um, not sure I agree with that. Um, sure, I could live with the idea of Hollow Rimmer knocking out Nano Rimmer, as suggested on the forum, but it'll have stolen the impact of Stoke's ending, uh, that Stoke's ending has for me. I think that <laughs> no time whatsoever should be taken with, yeah. uh, with what fuck Rimmer we've got now. I don't give a fuck. I really no. don't give a fuck. Yeah, I'm just glad to see Rimmer. Yeah. You can I don't care what version Exactly. He's a hologram, he's Rimmer, he's the same character. You can believe what you want. Yeah. Um, what I choose to believe. Was it Seb that came up with this theory that uh, it's the Nano Rimmer has died and has uh, been restored as a hologram with a bit of his memories and a bit of the old Rimmer's memories. Yeah. And so it's whatever the fuck Rimmer has uh, acquired. A perfect fan theory there because I'm, it covers all bases. I'm looking forward to the 9-11 joke that Ridley seems to be suggesting <laughs> Doug puts in. Oh yeah, well, we'll, go, um, well yeah, talking about uh, Mr. Nell has had enough time to regenerate new ideas since Series 8. The world has changed a lot since 9-11, Twitter, Big Brother, Obama, phone hacking, etc. I don't think there's a lot you could do with those things <laughs> to be honest. You don't think it's relevant? <laughs> I wouldn't mind a Big Brother crossover. I think Rimmer should discover Twitter but discover it late so no one else is posting yeah it's just this server sitting somewhere why isn't anyone answering me and it'd still crash and be over capacity but yeah the overall point I don't have a 
a lot of worry about Doug having new ideas because there's there's no you, you would never hit a brick wall with Red Dwarf because there's there's any amount of directions you can go into and um, especially when you know you're getting more character focused you can you can get, you know just I, keep I, keep I, developing keep developing and the, the plots of surrounding them are all you know kind of incidentally I don't I don't worry about new ideas basically um, Soundable Object is um, pointed out that the entire Red Dwarf crew are still out there somewhere what with them leaving and only the good is that a good avenue for a story no probably not That's I would the say. thing is that it's not yeah I mean <laughs> only the good was only watched by two million people at the time and it's not like it's a it's a huge thing. It's not something that people are outside of you know certain sections of fandom. No one's clamouring to find out. I think just mm-hmm. leave it in the past. There's a nine year gap. Everything got sorted out there. So let's just have. Maybe there's, there's, this, there's this thing where I, I think I don't know whether this colouring our perceptions compared to racist. how I'm, I am racist, but I thought everyone <laughs> knew that. Um, where if we'd all really liked series seven and eight. Yeah. Would we care more about this stuff? I think so. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, because, but then, you know, it, you know when between series six and seven there was a three year gap and that's enough time you know for you to be able to reasonably say oh let's forget about that but we'd have been although you did do it to be continued well basically I think the issue I mean the issue wrapped up in most of all most of this feedback and most of our conversations is who is Doug writing the new series of Red Dwarf 4 is he writing it for the fans in which case he's going to get himself in a load of shit because of (laughs) his cavalier approach it's on date he's writing it for blokes (laughs) Uh, he's writing it for big burly blokes who like curry or or is he just trying to write it for you know the most amount of people who are going to appreciate it and so he doesn't need to worry necessarily about getting bogged down in which Rimmer pops up or whatever but it it is very easy for us all I mean you know I do agree well, with that but it's all very easy for us to say because I try not to think too much about series 7 and 8 <laughs> it is very easy just for me to say on the uh, other hand though I really like Waiting for God and I honestly couldn't give a shit about the cat race and where they've gone to <laughs> <laughs> I, they're I, all cunts anyway yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and um, they couldn't even so, say their lines yeah so. I mean you know it, I would you know I would no more want I would no more want an episode where they find one of the escaped arcs or the uh, the arc that um that succeeded, or you know, then finding the fucking shit crew from series eight. So, I think it's just yeah. Red Dwarf's always been forward-looking. It's always had a cavalier attitude to cliffhangers. Uh, I honestly a bit don't too think too cavalier in some. Well, cases. I mean, well, two to three. I mean, it kind of maybe perturbed me a little bit as a kid, but after five minutes, it's, it didn't. It's matter. kind of odd because yeah, that when I was watching it for the first time, that didn't even remotely. Mm. I didn't give a fuck. Uh, can I just round off this uh, continuity discussion with a comment from Nick R, which I meant to read out about uh, ten minutes ago? No, you, you can't. Oh, well, I'm going to do it anyway. Cause, <laughs> uh, I'm in charge. I've got the paper. Uh, Nick R says, if a really funny and clever explanation has been written to resolve the series eight cliffhanger, that would be great. But I'd probably prefer it if the series didn't give a definitive explanation. Firstly, because it would probably be as disappointing as Ticket to Ride's resolution, and secondly, because I'd like the whole sorry series eight mess to be quietly forgotten. I th- I think. <laughs> That is uh, that is absolutely correct. Yeah, and, I think uh, that rounds it off quite nicely. It may be worth bringing up that Series Eight did very well. Uh, <laughs> it did. Yes, in, my, my, in the uncle, of the time. my uncle declared it to be the best 
um, series of Red Dwarf ever at one family gathering and I stated in no uncertain terms that I thought the opposite and that caused <laughs> a bit of awkward tension <laughs> and your family actually, has not spoken since 1998 <laughs> didn't you have people coming around to be lodgers and saying how great that series 8 was oh god no I was going to be their lodger or something oh, no they had a room going in their house oh this is years ago when, <laughs> up in Manchester <laughs> when um, when I was working in Manchester yeah and they they thought series 8 was the best series of Red Dwarf ever and I thought I can't live here (laughs) (laughs) this is this is what I mean by the fact that I think I've I've completely run out of energy now with <laughs> with, with who with likes what cast. series. And, and, and is my, that why my... you're recording a very long podcast? No, no, no. Right? I don't mean run out of energy Red Dwarf. I mean run oh. out of energy about which series of Red Dwarf oh, is yeah. best to crap. Because like, if there's an audience that likes it, I'm now kind of just fine. That's very that's very good. You know? <laughs> but do you know what I mean? But it comes. That's the same thing with 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 the with the whole that sort of thing. That, that dwarf fandom has so torn itself apart. Yeah. with all this <laughs> it, it seems worse in a dwarf fandom than it seems in quite a lot of fandoms it's a bit of a shame um, we've got one more sort of big discussion point and then a lot of uh, funny comedy comments that you've <laughs> sent in so uh, let's take a look at the subject of the return of Hattie uh, which Chris Carter, uh, going back to him again because he's our favourite. He's, he's on uh, front. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, he was the first one. He was to send the first one to email us, so we're just using all of his points. Hello, Chris. He says even the <laughs> <laughs> uh, return of Hattie, even if it's just at the end for an episode. Norman has his shot and pissed on his cornflakes. Now <laughs> I let, don't like to think about it. <laughs> now let Hattie have the holly limelight once more. Absolutely. Um, yeah. I don't know if the I'd love Hattie to come back because I love Hattie yeah. but I don't know whether the character of Holly has any you know well, has that's any meaning to be in Red Dwarf there's still anymore. the same problem as there was back in series 5 I guess there yeah. was still which led to um, but Hattie then, having to leave and then in series 8 there wasn't room for Holly and he brought him back anyway and he was crap but if we're having more, like, taking one assumption base, uh, to base this on, but if we're going to be more shipbound and maybe the ship itself is going to be a little bit more characterful, like we, we talked about the, the upgrades and things like that, Holly has ha, has more, you know, her own unique uh, role in that in that situation. She understands the ship, she knows everything that's going on with the ship and something could affect her yeah. you know is it, and Crichton's changed as well as as um he took over a lot of the exposition but he's he's less he's less based around that now he's more i, I don't know what Crichton is really. in in <laughs> the <laughs> end if, if, if you if you like a character you can give them a role it's mm. true if you want to find a role for Holly you can find one yeah if you don't want to find a role for Holly you don't have to that it's not that Holly's yeah. integral to Red Dwarf but if you think it, it's not. There's plenty of good stuff to be done with it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and if you want to do it, you can. If not, again, it's just what Doug wants to do, I yeah. suppose. But just things like, um, you know, the episode of uh, Future Echoes. If Crichton was in Future Echoes, um, there would still be a distinct and worthwhile role for Holly to play because you know you've you've, you've got the mm. whole issue with the ship. And it, when it comes to controlling Red Dwarf, only Holly has that responsibility. And yeah, and, um, um, yeah Crichton doesn't profess to know everything, whereas Holly should. Sure. And yeah. So there's. There's a difference there. One thing that hasn't really been explored in Red Dwarf at all, actually, is the relationship between Holly and Crichton. Yeah, yeah. No, that is true because there's been very few. They haven't really shared the screen. Yeah, yeah. No, Uh, three, three, four, and five. Five at very reduced. 
Yeah, uh, saying Crichton operates as a sort of more sophisticated domestic servant, doesn't he? Mm. Sort of one that's perhaps been to university <laughs> and can quote Shakespeare at you while a washing, butler rather than a skivvy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fuck off, cats. <laughs> um, so yeah, we've just got a few uh, smaller points to run through. Uh, Phil Reed says, "I hope the new Red Dwarf lays off the penis humour. I would love for them, however, to strongly embrace penis drama." <laughs> And I think we can all agree on that. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> Phil. Uh, John's Mad wants to know uh, what would our dream guest cast be? Oh, fucking Daniel Ward. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck. Uh, when she you could say be an android and she'd be amazing. When you say fucking Danielle Ward, <laughs> yes, you may have misunderstood the question. <laughs> I, honestly, she, should be, she would be so good. I've seen her in, in plays. Has she and acted? She, yeah, she does. She's done um, uh, her own plays. Yeah, her own plays. That she would fit Red Dwarf perfectly. She could be a she sexy f- hologram that comes in and is a rival to Rimmer. Oh, she, no, she, right. would fit, <laughs> she would fit me like a glove. The thing about human anatomy, it's been evolution has been very clever in that most women fit most men. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So yeah, Daniel Ward. Uh, Patrick Stewart, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's tricky to say because you know you can list your favourite actors or your favourite comedians, but, but they're not necessarily good. fit in with Red Dwarf. Yeah. I mean, well, what's um, so Doug mentioned that <laughs> Simon Gregson. I mean, this, this is back from you know when he had his tea room and jazz, then spilled uh, the beans. Uh, which we don't know whether any of that's still gonna we happen. don't know whether any of that's still going to happen, um, but. Simon Gregson as uh, Frank, one of them as brothers. Yeah. And I like Simon Gregson, and I also think Simon Gregson would be brilliant in Red Dwarf. He was possibly, not made my favourite, he was one of my favourite bits in Back to Yeah. I thought he was fantastic. He's my favourite bit in Coronation Street. <laughs> <It's true. laughs> yeah. He's, um, and, he's, and what's he's great about him, he used to be like the attractive kind of uh, character coming in and all the girls are swooning over. Now he's there purely for his face. Yeah. And <laughs> his he face he is pull. fucking amazing. Now, now he's fat and 40. Yeah. <laughs> he's got, like, along with Robert Llewellyn, he's yeah. got one of the most fe- flexible faces. Uh, it's a, very, it's a very comical um, and then, most scenes in him and Coronation Street just end with him pulling a face <laughs> yeah. or start with him pulling a face have or a start and end with him pulling a face <laughs> to, just be, end with to wah, be honest wah, wah. I'm, I'm fond of Simon Gregson um, but I'm actively hostile to the idea of guest stars in Red Dwarf <laughs> just <laughs> they've any never, guest need, stars. never needed it before frankly and I you know um, um, am I missing but, a layer of sarcasm <laughs> <laughs> No, I don't, They've I always don't. had guest stars. Yeah. <laughs> From episode Dogs. one, uh, Jack Doherty, uh, Moana Banks, Ruby Wax. Uh, Ruby Wax is better. Wow. Yeah. And Moana Banks is also Gilbert. There's loads of good guest stars in Red Dwarf uh, in the past. Ricky Grover. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's the idea of a dream guest cast. I suppose. Yeah. The Red Dwarf's guest made. stars were never guest stars. Yeah, I think that's, that's what I'm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, ne- it's never I'm about. It's never about. Look who we've yeah, got this too. week. I don't. Think Ruby Wax is the closest you've got to that, and that's because she was that replacing was Chapman. Yeah. 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 Mm. But she was. She was very good. Um, I mean, uh, no, it's, it's not. It's not the case that you know you. You can get someone, and they won't be good. 
but yeah, it's yeah. It, it should, I, I don't tend to think about it. it Daniel be, Ward is the level I would like in terms yeah, of. Yeah, it should, it should <laughs> never be casting fun, for the sake of oh look who we've got this week. That's, yeah. uh, well, I, I think more than that. anything, we might not even be able to afford to do that sort of casting because mm. for that to be impressive enough, then you have to spend a lot on your guest cast. Presumably, there'd be. Um, I mean, Sam Gregson's interesting. If he is in the show and he is playing Wim's brother, is that going to be a series-long thing, or is that going to be so. one episode? Or it could, no, I uh, think you see, I, oh, think no, it's, I honestly think I would, be, <laughs> yeah. I would be really surprised if it happens. I think it's a really fun idea that Doug's come up with, but I it raised we... several several continuity things of Simon Gregson <laughs> <Yeah>. with his <laughs> Rimmer's brother because when uh, even though it was a hallucination hey that's my brother what's my brother doing here <laughs> yeah. this is clearly a hallucination um, Ori Studfarm asks Ori Studfarm now that the news has long since gone public about Seb leaving G&T to fill Andrew's shoes over at the official site I was wondering what other duties of Andrew's do we think Seb could or indeed should be involved in <laughs> John's just bit his tongue uh, hey Villa won sorry come in making Doug's tea maybe I mean I don't know whether I'd trust him even to do that <laughs> in Grant Naylor Productions are finding out what we found out over <laughs> I mean in five years time he's just going to go on and mo- um, work at the BBC anyway he's just going one level up each time <laughs> I'm kind of surprised there hasn't been as much discussion of the biggest thing to happen in Red Dwarf all year Sadly, yeah. it sent shockwaves. I don't really community. care about the new series, but <laughs> it's almost as if it's completely irrelevant. <laughs> oh, oh, here's a um, is a slightly more less light-hearted point. Um, is it about the war? No, <laughs> Ben in Iraq. Ben from Jersey asks: Should this new series be the first of a whole new batch of series, or one final series to end it all properly? It de- honestly depends what Doug can do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the way the way Back to Earth ended with a you know it wasn't a, a great thing, but they set it up so that there's no over there's no stories hanging loose, but there is scope to expand yeah. it. Basically, yeah. the way Futurama ended their film series. Yeah, just keep doing that. You should have it open-ended, but with you know thematic closure, etc., etc. There is this whole kind of thing of of um, that keeps coming up of flogging a dead horse, as as people mm. say, from a series that started in 1988. Especially as it does seem to be fashionable these days to do 12 episodes and fuck off, mm. yeah. Um, yeah. which I've never particularly thought was the model for all sitcoms ever. No, no. not um, fashionable as what. What you seem to be forced to do because uh, you know you either run out of budget or the people or run out of ideas, yeah. run out of ideas, or you know the commissioning people run out of balls. You see, there's two there's two things here. It's one is um, should you still be doing Red Dwarf at this point? My answer is well, seeing as there's the potential to do things that no other audience sitcom is doing currently, why the hell not? Yeah, but that's that. But also, there's the thing of the people who sit there like me saying well it's been crap for the last 19 episodes why would you want to see more and that's purely down to the viewer Mm, do you like it do you not like it there's a load of people and this is what keeps coming in where people are saying oh well Back to Earth was obviously crap well it wasn't clearly obviously crap because loads of people liked it it's down to the audience you're making it for I think what it's going to end up coming down to is nothing to do with the story or Doug's decision maybe to wrap up the, the universe is going to be down to practicalities mm-hmm. um, if, Craig, if Craig Charles gets to a point where he just no longer can take the odd three performance off work <laughs> um, if 
I don't know. Uh, well, I don't know. it's. I think there is a place for you know Red Dwarf to have a few more series in it. I think yeah. you know Doctor Who started in 1963, and they're hardly flogging a dead horse with the current series. Yeah, and Red Dwarf has I think a similar amount of. I think now that there's been a big gap, I don't really see a reason why you can't do another couple of series. Um, Avida Same Pet would be a good example of it. You know, it finished That's, perfectly yeah. in 1986, came back in early 2000s, and did another two and a half series. You know, very successfully. Well. So and Son did something similar, mm. albeit not with as much of a gap. Mm-hmm. It's not completely unknown. Um, open all hours. What was the gap after? Oh, uh, yeah, there's at least two or three years between each series. There was no, there was more. There was like nine nine years gap between one of them. Yeah. There was a massive gap. Yeah. So, so I don't, uh-huh. yeah, I don't see a reason why we can't have another few series of Red Dwarf, and it be just as. Yeah, and just because it's been a hell of a long time since the show started and there's been big gaps in between, that shouldn't have any relevance to the quality because, mm. as we you know, just pointed out, there's plenty of examples of shows that have come back just as good, if not better, in some people's eyes. See, have people seem to have finally got the message that Rob Grant is not coming back. And at this <laughs> point, you kind of either go with that or you yeah, don't. I still yeah. see a lot of people, like, obviously outside of G&T, Red Dwarf is being discussed a lot elsewhere on the internet yeah. with non yeah, you know, non-hardcore fans, and a lot of people still say, "Oh, it went shit when Rob left. Rob must be the funny one. Doug must be the sci-fi one," which is just a complete bollocks. Yeah. So that's, that's my out there. my favourite um, opinion is that it went shit after series two. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it's the, as we said, it's the wobbly sets that make it good. Yeah, exactly. Do, and the tacky I do know uh, model shots. Who think it went shit after series? Yeah, two. yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's them and their bad. opinions. And their blue website. <laughs> who could you mean? <laughs> and their liner notes on DVD. <laughs> I basically don't like anyone who thinks even slightly different, yeah. differently from me. Fuck off. That includes everyone on this list. Yeah. Everyone in this room. I do, and just people in I general. I do like the fact, John, you've got more hardcore on this point as you've got older. <laughs> I'm going to get more right rate right, to get older. <laughs> I used to be really nice. Yeah, you did. You're a cunt now. <laughs> um, but you're trapped. Alex VS says is that if he had one minor concern then it would be the music ah. obviously the theme music is not going to change but the background music in Back to Earth wasn't quite in keeping with the uh, previous series in some parts it was different but not offensively so but on parts such as the car bug driving around Shepparton it was a bit jarring mm. shit <laughs> <laughs> jarringly shit yeah uh, well we that was it was I'll a I'll tell you what um, I've been listening um, to the music cues for the first um three series mm. recently for something I'm working on oh god if we could have Goodall back I would I'd love Goodall back the thing Goodall. is can, Not gonna happen. can we afford Goodall because he's you know he's, his profile has been raised so much yeah. since. Mm. I think yeah we'd have to accept that Goodall is maybe going to be a bit much in fact anyone doing specially composed stuff is probably a bit too much to ask although it's, it's difficult to tell but based on uh, 7, 8 and Back to Earth all being um, library based, um, or what did, what did it, eight? No, seven wasn't library seven based. Seven wasn't, but there wasn't as many new cues. Oh, that based. is true, that is true. There they was, actually yeah. replaced a lot of his stuff in the edit. Yeah. That's mm. what happened with, with oh, seven. Oh, yeah, that was weird. But the library music selected for seven, I thought was excellent. Yeah. Um, and it really did fit fit the theme. So as long as they, you know, they just have have that effort put in in fact well, the, the bit of library music when in Back to Earth when they're all getting sucked through the, the portal yeah. that was but, um, really good that was per- perfect and as long as they just do that and not this terrible band 
um, that did the music of them driving to um, Coronation Street um, would be all right. I think they should pick the same library tracks as they do for the Sweeney. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose also, now you've got the the, the queues goddotted, especially for one and two, that you can use. You can reuse. It's a good point, yeah, because presumably they've got they've got the rights to all of that stuff yeah. not just the theme if, music if I could choose for the money to be spent on, on models or Godola it would be models I suppose <laughs> no it absolutely it. yeah because music is more easily yeah because you've got re- the basics replicated elsewhere I think yeah, yeah. and it, it's one of those things that with the massive post-production time it could you know, there's a lot of time to sort something out yeah absolutely it's yeah. not unusual for people to if they are going to write get someone to write music then obviously that has to happen after everything's filmed anyway because you, you yeah and almost almost completely yeah. edited as well because you you, yeah. you need to know what the beats are and, and all that all that all that uh we've got an email here from a um sub sub patrick yeah, yeah, I was wondering what? about this. He says, I keep trying to log into GNT, but it won't let me create posts or anything. Also, you guys, none of you guys are replying to my emails. What's going on? Uh, Phil Baker <laughs> says he's uh, looking forward to finding out the episode titles. Ah, yes. Uh-huh. Let's talk about episode titles. Let's talk about episode titles. I want them to be good episode titles. <laughs> I think... Uh, I, I think they should all be one-word ones. No. Series three, apart from uh, oh. last time. I, I think they should be called episode one, <laughs> episode two. Well, that is actually a good point, because it does inform whether we're, having a, we're getting a serial or... Yeah. Individual episodes, and uh, you, you can't, you know, you can have a sort of a serial series and have each episode have its own title, but as a rule, you could do it like Skins and name it after a character an episode. Ah, ah. Yeah. that would be totally suitable for Red Bull, <laughs> but then we'd have spoilers when episode six is called Kachansky, obviously. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, no, Skins did the really weird thing where they, they do that, and then the last episode be called Everyone. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Difficult one. I don't ever want a t- uh, episode title anything like Ticket to Ride again. There's What's wrong with Ticket to Ride? It's, I think it's a. I don't know. Are you thinking it's lol curry? It's a bit lol curry. It's a bit uh, unimaginative. Um, I, you know, I like puns, but natural but born rumours would have been the best Red Dwarf episode yeah, title. If a little problematic. <laughs> <coughs> or I, mirror rowing wouldn't have been. Um, was it four? <laughs> Wallop, eh? I like Phil Baker's phrase "low raspberry." Low raspberry. I've, I've never heard that before, and I'm going to force that into everyday conversation. Oh, yeah. In context, I thought the curry, curry stuff would be terrible, and the end would be a bit of a low raspberry. But he said, "Doug scored a blinder." I have to agree with that. Uh, I think that pretty much wraps up all our uh, all our reader interactions in this uh, 360 uh, <laughs> cross-platform new media experience. <laughs> how, how is this cross-platform? Um, we've taken things off the internet and are reading them out loud. Uh, we're recording uh, it on a Mac and we'll publish it to the internet on a PC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, just finally, just time for one last comment. It's a tweet that we received from Cy Bromley. He says, I decided not to get in touch. All the points I would have made would undoubtedly be made better by everyone else. And he was right. <laughs> <laughs> for the first time in his life. Well, 
that was that was fun. That I was think. fine. I, yeah, I, I, I hope you all enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, if you didn't enjoy it, then um, I'm actually pleased. <laughs> so if you didn't you enjoy right. it, you've gone through an awful lot of practice <laughs> at this point. Uh, so yeah, we'll put this uh, podcast up, and then the bloody episodes are going to be recorded. Well, yeah, that's a good point. That's what is the next step? Is. I was about to say how just before we maybe wrap up, how are you feeling in terms of you know? Going in to see these recorders. Uh, positive. Everyone's positive and excited. Yeah, I think so. I'm the lone voice. Um, I'm <laughs> it's only because some of the, uh, there's a lot of signs that just the fact that they've they've got an audience. So like well, we mentioned this, I think right back at the start, it shows that um, that Dave obviously you, you said that you know it wouldn't be the natural position for Dave to push for an audience because mm. it's not what Back to Earth was and Back to Earth was a success. Yeah. What it does show is that there's a lot of um, a lot of faith in Doug Naylor and maybe a lot of control over you know the di- the direction of it all. And I just think I think they've made a lot of good decisions so far see, from what we've seen, and I, I think I'll hopefully continue. My my attitude is that all the signs are positive, but then I did think about Back to Earth. Well, my, apart from my, no studio the, the, audience. That is true, but as everyone quite rightly said last time, if you slap a studio audience on Back to Earth, that wouldn't make me no, think it was true. amazing. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah studio my, my, per, my only worry, really, is that you can have all these um, positive signs, but ultimately, if you're not gelling with Doug Naylor's writing... Mm-hmm. And I suppose the problem is now that... I mean, especially with you guys, a lot of you really liked Doug Naylor's writing on Back to Earth. I still haven't got that for the last three series, even though I stick up... Well, because it's there. definitely different. I haven't, it's definitely different. Yeah. Every se- Seven's been different from eight. Eight was different from Back to Earth. Red Dawn's been different. And all of them are different ways. from Last Human as well. But, but yeah. they've all been different, but I haven't liked yeah, any of the different stuff that much. So I'm going in, and as I said, I'm intrigued. Yeah, but I'm, I'm quite... I don't think it's quite sunk in for me yet. It's just, it's oh yeah, I'm going to this thing next week. It's fucking Red Dwarf being recorded. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not something that I'd ever expected to happen. And, no uh, one thought it had happened, did no. they? No. I mean, we got to this extent. We thought since, it had gone to the film. Yeah, I was going to say, since 99, we've assumed that if there is any more Red Dwarf, then it will be a film. And then Back to Earth happened, and obviously that wasn't involving an audience. I thought, you know, the closest we were ever going to get to experiencing what a Red Dwarf recording might be like was going to DJ and yeah. Yeah, yeah, doing yeah, the Q&As yeah, yeah. with the cast and with Danny um, and Craig as a double act there. But. Um, I've, I think that's why my mind is deliberately a blank. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't feel anything about going to the recordings. I think conflicted things kind of cancel each other. Yeah, it's all cancelled itself out, and yeah. I just you know really will just. I can understand up. that because it's taken, like I say, it's taken so long for even a small amount of detail about this to actually sink in for me mm. to realise you know that this is this is it's basically the culmination of all of our friendships which is interesting we're so all, we're saying we're all fa- well, apart from apart from Julian <laughs> who is in the room but hasn't said anything um, so does this mean you're all going to get killed off <laughs> <laughs> maybe but yeah it's, it, it is, it's huge it is huge it is weird isn't it there's it's a right. lot of fucking that's pressure that's what I mean by fandom maybe, maybe being our bigger brains, than just a show yeah maybe our brains have just shorted out <laughs> who was it who was it on, on, on Ganymede Titan one of you remind me of this some kind who said well obviously who said um, that this was the first um, audience sitcom with a big kind of online fan base to to be recorded in in the kind of online era and especially mm. social networking? Um, because I thought it was what? Carl. It was Carl. Carl. Carl said that. Oh, that prick. Which, <laughs> How popular is IT, IT Crowd? IT Crowd is not popular, have people 
talking about it the same no. way Red Dwarf. Yes. Um, it's because it's... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but it's true. So there is this completely unknown thing where everyone's going to go and see the recording and then you've got this, what, seven, eight-month gap. And I do think that GMP um, seem to be over-worrying about things being released because um yeah. honestly it's to the fans it's not to the main audience yeah. but at the same time i understand why they're nervous because it's unknown territory yeah i don't think this has really happened no i think i think this you're absolutely right yeah i mean t- there was news groups um yeah, yeah for, 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 for most of the 90s series. Oh, there was, there was, was loads of talk about series yeah. seven and eight and yeah there. series seven and eight here there was smegweb and rdw but not so much community no, yeah. Other than news groups, it, you know, it's the social aspect of the modern internet that's the new thing. It's Although, Twitter honestly, really, please, will someone else start up a fucking fan site? Jesus <laughs> Christ. I've given up saying this. We shouldn't be the only ones doing this, you bunch of cunts. Listen to us, we're terrible. <laughs> we, ne- we, we need someone do, to compete yeah, with. You could do so much better. Go on. Go on, fuck off. I mean, it's not like we compounded this by merging about five <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. fan sites. We're, but... we're, we're like ITV. I sit there complaining about the lack of regionality <laughs> and something like that. <laughs> and then we all moved down to London, anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. from Danny, you... Uh... Danny, are you our lone outpost? <laughs> Is he still there? We've lost concentration. I don't think mentioned now whether it should be mentioned before, but um, I remember there's loads of mentions on the internet about casting calls, um, not just for, you know, obviously main cast, but obviously for like other people who mentioned I've been asked for a casting call for Red Dwarf X and all this kind of stuff, so what's that about? Um, there, was some, there was a casting call um, for extras, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've not. Some sort of sequence that involves either a flashback or. Yeah. Yeah. yeah most likely to be pre-accident flashback or something involving the sh- the crew that went out at the end of series eight. But as we've discussed, that's yeah. Um, or they find a colonized planet or something. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Because that's the thing. They're three million years from Earth. The thing, there was a huge amount of extras in Back to Earth, and you yeah, know, we, we didn't know beforehand how they'd be used exactly, yeah. unless you happen to be living with one of the extras. Yeah. It is delightful how little we know. I must Isn't, say that yeah. I, I quite like. Unfortunately, that's then, not going to last that's, very that's long. No, but it's <laughs> nice, it is nice to know. I mean, you know, I'm at least, going into the audience recording, mm, not knowing. At least, even though you know, we'll go into the broadcast knowing quite a lot probably more than we would have wanted at least we've got we're going into the audience recording it's not known very much yeah it'll be interesting to see what what happens um what happens between now and and the broadcast but we can't really formulate gnc policy on a, <laughs> on a live. <laughs> live we're gonna have to fucking hurry up with it yeah and right? get some out but um i imagine uh, that we will write up um We'll, we'll, we'll write something about the recording uh, next fr- on Friday the sixteenth, um, and um, so we'll be we'll obviously be talking very heavily about um, all the recordings we go to, but within uh, certain, certain sensible preset parameters, <laughs> um, without revealing anything. Yeah, we we won't be making a habit of well, we won't be um, spoiling anyone. Um, the difficult thing is the policy for what you guys talk about on the forum. It is true that I was going to take my phone with me and record the entire recording. 
and put that online, but I don't think that's a problem. Well, no, I, I, I don't think they mentioned anything about you not being allowed to do that. They just said you can't post about the plot. So yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, they didn't say anything about audio recordings. That's fine. All right. I mean, you could probably get away with taking in a, a full camera. Yeah, I'd say it was Sony yeah. X3 or something on the yeah. shoulder. It'll just blend in with the, with the, with the other cameras. They won't fun. notice that it's Sony. <laughs> I, I seem to recall that one of our friends um, uh, works at Shepparton. They said they could bootleg the entire uh, recording. Oh, nice. We could put it up on, on Torrent site and no one has yeah. to buy the DVD. But then. that's all right, because that's not the finished show. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah. It won't that, ruin anything particularly. That's, that's not a problem. So, yeah, we'll just get, we'll just get a beat from that. That's fine. Yeah, we're funny. <laughs> I think uh, this is a, as good an indication as any that the podcast is over. Yeah. So, I'm very sorry. Uh, so, uh, thank you for listening, if you have. And uh, thank you, everyone who sent in a comment. Yes. Gen- genuinely, no, yeah, thank I'm you. Sorry, yeah. We've been very rude. Well, we cool thanks to Chris, uh, Ridley, Phil, Stephen, John, Ori Stud Farm, Ben, Alex, Phil, Soundable Object, and Nick. Thank you. Sigh. No, not Sai. Not Sai. But uh, yeah, thank you for listening, and we'll be back with some coverage of the audience recordings in some form. At very, some, very at some poor point. Form. Yeah. Very poor form. Uh, and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye bye.